Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. One more hour on Weston Walker at Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Legal tampering is underway. We've already broken some news, as Adam Schefter would do it, as Ian Rappaport might do it. Carolina involved really in only one move so far. Shy Tuttle, defensive tackle, formerly of the New Orleans Saints, now going to come aboard with the Carolina Panthers. Somebody texted in, Shy Tuttle, enlighten me, please. <laughs> I think we're all going to be understanding exactly what Shy Tuttle is about as the show, as this week goes on, and we'll see if the Panthers make any other moves. Of course, they made a pretty big one on Friday by trading up to the number one overall selection, and we'll see what QB they select. All right, before we fill out the South region, we were talking about a crazy story that Wes enlightened us on about apparently he saw this news story. There was an alligator living in someone's attic for over a year is what you told me. Were you able to help our research team find said stories so you could inform yes, the people? Yes, I did. Uh, they said a North Carolina code enforcement official was startled to find an eight-foot alligator in the attic of a home a he alligator. was inspecting. They said on Tuesday, Dean Brown, who works for New Hanover County, was inspecting a home under construction in the Eco Farms area of Wilmington when he climbed into the attic located on the third floor of the structure. Uh, he said he didn't think anything of it. Then he said he's, he was working. He thought it was a fake stuffed gator. And then he looked back and realized that it was moving and breathing. They said that he shined a flashlight back there first and his eyes were closed. And then he did it again and the eyes were open. I would have probably jumped through the roof like a Looney Tunes cartoon. So what's the number one question? It, it, do we know that this thing survived a year up there? How do we know that? Uh, was that ever said or were we mistaken on that? No, my mom told me about the story at first. Uh, I'll look some more to verify okay. that that was one year, but my this mom told me about that at first because that was the first thing I asked her. Mm-hmm. I said, well, how did it live up there? What was it eating? <laughs> Maybe some rats, I guess. Goodness gracious. Yeah, I don't know. But I'm like, that's not enough to satisfy an eight-foot alligator. Yeah. That's almost as big as a basketball goat. So what's the question first is, is how did it survive if it was a year? How did it get up to the attic in the first place? That's another How was it in question. the attic? Yeah. How did Lots they not hear it? If, if it has a vertical to get up there, then I think the Panthers should draft that gator number one overall. <laughs> what if it came through the, what if it came down through the ceiling? Yeah, I've seen the snake videos that happen. Like apparently in Australia, oh, you see all those videos where multiple pythons just fall through the ceiling. Yeah. Oh, and those houses need to be destroyed immediately after. All right, let's fill out the South region. It features the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament, Alabama. Gets the field, including the 8-9 matchup between Maryland and West Virginia. San Diego State will take on College of Charleston. Pat Kelsey squad only has three losses this year. Virginia and Furman will be the 4-13 matchup. So let's just talk about those four games real quickly, and I'll fill mine out. We'll all fill our brackets out as the week goes on, starting with the South. Really no analysis needed. I'm going to have Alabama moving on to the next round um, in the round of 32. 
I've got Maryland over West Virginia. West Virginia, obviously a good rebounding team. We know what Bob Huggins' squads are all about, doing the whole press thing, being very good defensively. But I'm going to trust in my fellow former Charlotte 49er, Jameer Young, leading the squad. I know he's banged up a little bit, but Jameer Young having a good season. So I've got the Terps moving on to the next uh, to the next round. I'm going to do what is probably going to be a cliche pick, and I'm going to pick College of Charleston to beat San Diego State. And I can't imagine that that is going to be a rare pick because if you see a mid-major squad get a high seed so many times, we'll see the public pick against that mid-major squad, right? But College of Charleston, they only have three losses. I mean, they've had an excellent year. We all know what Pat Kelsey is about. He constantly got Winthrop into the NCAA tournament. So I'll have College of Charleston moving on against San Diego State. And I think a lot of people are going to choose Furman against Virginia just because the Cavaliers are not an exciting brand of basketball, even less so than previous years where they weren't really all that exciting too. But man, even in that loss against Duke, they wouldn't go away easily because they just make it so hard defensively. I do think that team is still very disciplined. And if Clark doesn't go 0 of 8 to start this game, I think Virginia will find a way to move on. Give me the Cavaliers. Those are the first four games I'll choose. Alabama, Maryland, San Diego State, Virginia. They all move to the round of 32. What you got for us, Wes? Uh, Real quick, just wanted to tell you, they said the Gator may have gotten through a door that was left open over the weekend. I don't think he okay. was in there for a year. <laughs> I was about to say, I don't know yeah. how you survive. But that helps <laughs> me. Thank you for the research. Alright, uh, the NCAA tournament, listen man, I try some years where I do research. I look at who you beat, how many games, how hot are you coming into the tournament. I try everything to try to get this thing down to the best scientific uh, guess that I could come up with. Only to be sitting there throwing stuff and getting frustrated as I watch. That's right. Now, that's not the reason I'm going to go chalk here, but I'm going to take Alabama for sure. Uh, Maryland, West Virginia, those eight, nine games, always a toss up, but I'm going to go with Maryland. I, I start doing silly reasons sometimes for some games I don't know how to pick. I'm going to go with Maryland for the old school ACC ties. The only reason I did not pick Charleston is because everybody is on Charleston. I know, During that I show know. and everybody's like, oh, Charleston's going to win. I said, well, I'm going to go the other way. Uh, San Diego State will also be sitting around and hearing that as well, how everybody thinks they're going to lose. I'm going to go with San Diego State. And then UVA, not because uh, I'm an ACC guy, but just because Tony Bennett and those guys in the tournament, now they, they have had their times where they've choked for sure. We know this, but I think that they have enough to get past uh, a Furman squad. That defense, they can hit some threes, hopefully. Kihei Clark won't feel the pressure of uh, playing against a 13 seed, I don't think because uh, I, I really thought that he was um, one of the one of the reasons why they had a trouble beating Duke. Yeah. But yeah, those are my four: Bam- Bama, Maryland, San Diego State, and Virginia. All right, Fitty, what you got? The first four games in the South region. All right, so I got the number one overall seed, Bama, advancing, as you could imagine. I've got them playing Texas A&M Corpus Christi in the 116 matchup. I have. Corpus Christi winning their play-in game. I also have Maryland beating West Virginia. I've seen West Virginia the latter half of the year. Don't score it well enough, and they're not as good as they have been defensively in years past. I'm with you, Charleston over San Diego State, because screw the Mountain West Conference, and Charleston and Rain Smith are a really damn good team. And then I've got Virginia, just because when you play that style against a team that also wants to run like Furman, usually Virginia styles win out. 
I think I think Virginia does advance to the round of 32. All right, let's move on to the final four games of the round of 64 here in this matchup or in this region, I should say. NC State and Creighton. I'm going to go with the Wolfpack, and it's going to seem like big-time ACC homerism. I get that. But I just can't imagine that a squad that features Traquavion Smith that features Jarkel Joyner and even DJ Burns, and they're going to have an awesome matchup down low against this Blue Jay squad. That's going to be a lot of fun. But for me, I just think that trio is able to get it done. And if you want to talk about ACC disrespect, I think this is the matchup that is going to full-fledged expose that, right? Like with, with NC State being one of the last teams in and then them moving on against Creighton, giving what I think uh, Arizona going to be possibly a tough matchup too. Like, I think NC State is going to show you why the ACC should not be nearly as disrespected. I have Baylor moving on against Santa Barbara. I like Santa Barbara teams usually. We've had some pros get out of that program. But give me Baylor, even with their history of if they don't win the championship, they usually lose early. Give me Missouri, Willie P. University moving on against Utah State. And then I'll have Arizona, two against a 15. We've seen it a few times. Not going to be here, though. Steve Robinson and company, they move on to the round of 32. What are the last four games you got, Wes? My last four games, I'm going to go with NC State as well. Uh, I do have respect for Creighton, but I think NC State, uh, after that drubbing they got from the Clemson Tigers, I think that will propel them uh, to go into the tournament with a bit of a chip on their shoulder. Hopefully, Terquavion Smith can go back to his form from the Virginia Tech game, but not sure that that will happen. But I have enough faith in NC State that they can draw the upset right here. Uh, I'm going to go with Baylor over UC Santa Barbara. Then I'm going to take Missouri because of uh, Kobe Brown. I uh, got to see them play over the weekend. Uh, the Kobe Bryant comparisons I thought were a bit much by ESPN, but you know they how they get down. They have the first name, and that's about it. Yeah, just... <laughs> you know how they get down. And then uh, I'm going to go with Arizona. Got a chance to see them a little bit over the weekend. Uh, I like what I saw from them. So NC State, Baylor, uh, Missouri, and Arizona. What you got, Fiddy? I've got State as well. That matchup of DJ Burns versus Ryan Kalkbrenner will be a lot of fun. I like State's backcourt. It's more explosive. I've got Baylor taking down Santa Barbara. Their trio of guards, Cryer, Flagler, Keontae George, could carry them back to the Final Four. Uh, I do have Missouri advancing as well. They're one of the worst-seeded teams in this bracket. They should have been on the five line, in my humble but honest opinion. And then I have mm. Arizona coming off of winning the Pac-12 tournament. I do have them taking on or beating Princeton to advance to the round of 32. I don't think I've ever heard you call yourself humble before I or am. your opinion being humble. All right, let's move on to the round of 32. Alabama-Maryland is who I have. I have the Crimson Tide moving on. Alabama just so talented. I have Charleston beating Virginia, man. I just... Like, this is going to happen. I, I, this is not going to be a rare pick. But I just think Pat Kelsey and company, they're going to get the job done against a Virginia team where I've never trusted their offense. It's going to be tough. Like, I'm not – this is not something I feel fantastic about. I love the defensive backcourt that Virginia has with Kihei Clark. Reese Beekman is one of my favorite players in the ACC. But College of Charleston is well-balanced. And if Kihei Clark struggles to shoot, or even a Jaden Gardner who missed a couple of the two-point jump shots that he'll usually hit, 
did against Duke. That's going to be a huge problem, man. In College of Charleston, they do like to push the tempo. Is there going to be some times where they're able to really take advantage of the slow pace that Virginia has amongst them? So give me Charleston moving on. It feels weird, but I'm going to do that. Baylor, they beat NC State. I don't think Baylor falls to an ACC team in the second round two straight years. And give me Arizona to move on in the round of 32. They all make the Sweet 16. Wes, who is uh, going to make your Sweet 16? Uh, I go with Bama. I go with Virginia because I have Virginia beating San Diego State. Again, uh, I think their defense, and if they can get Franklin and Gardner going where they can get to the basket, that's the key for Virginia because their perimeter guys have to – create their points in the paint for them because they really don't have uh, that post presence. Kafaro and then like I said, uh, Vanderplas or I forget right. how you pronounce his name. Vanderplas, yeah. But he's still got that cast. I don't know that he'll be back, but Kafaro just isn't enough down low to get them buckets on a regular basis. But I'm still going to go with Virginia and then Baylor and then Arizona. Arizona finishing out Wes's Sweet 16. Fitty, who starts yours? I've got Bama advancing past Maryland as well. And I was trying to, like, air five you. Mm -hmm. Let's try to do it right now. Okay, one, two, three. Because I also have Charleston upsetting (laughs) UVA and advancing to the Sweet 16 because even though the team likes to run, they can, they can beat teams in the half court, CUNC Wilmington and the CAA final. I have Baylor getting past NC State as well. Then Zara, or Arizona and Missouri. I think Missouri fights. I do think Arizona does advance to a second consecutive Sweet 16. Eat Tennessee State Luke, ETSU Luke. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, he told me that UVA plays Furman, not Charleston. We are filling out the bracket. I have Virginia and Charleston moving on. And when they face one another, that's when I have Charleston moving on to the Sweet 16. It ends with Alabama, though. I think as we start to assess this region, I think the committee got it right in the sense that the number one overall seed does have the easiest region, in my opinion. Arizona, a good basketball team, no doubt about it, with them getting that number two. But I think the three seed in Baylor, they're a little vulnerable. They had a bad exit in the Big 12 tournament. Four seed Virginia, we know their offensive limitations. Five seed being a mid-major coming out of a conference that usually doesn't win. So give me Alabama to move on against College of Charleston. I have Arizona also beating Baylor. I go all chalk as far as who makes the Elite Eight. 1-2 Alabama Baylor, my Elite Eight matchup. What you got for us, Wes? Uh, I've got Bama and Arizona making uh, that Elite Eight. What do you got, Fiddy? Same. Yep, chalk for me as well. I got the number one overall seed, Bama and Arizona, who also could have been on that one line yesterday. And we'll just complete it because I do have the Crimson Tide moving on. I just think down low, they provide a presence. Brandon Miller clearly not phased by anything going on off of the court, and he is going to possibly be the third overall selection. Some people have him as the second. The guy can shoot. He can handle a little bit. Yeah, Alabama's very, very good. I have the Crimson Tide making the Final Four, representing the South region. Uh, I'm going to go with Arizona okay. there. Uh, I picked I pick the Wildcats to get it done. Like I said, I like what I saw from them uh, this weekend, so I'm going to go with them uh, over Alabama. I feel like, uh, I don't know, a little bit of, of, of karma for Bama there with some of the way they ways that they have handled some things as of recent. The college basketball gods will come <laughs> about. All right, finish this out. Fiddy, what you got? I've also got Arizona. they got Courtney Ramey, who's a fifth-year senior in that backcourt. you also got Kerr Krissa, and then in the front court, Omar Ballo, I think, will be a handful for the Alabama front court, meaning that Steve, coach your buns off Robinson, returns to the <laughs> Final Four, this time not Dang wearing on. Carolina blue, 
But on Tommy Lloydstaff, give me Arizona to make the Final Four. I had a feeling you might go with Steve Robinson. It's very easy to root for someone like Steve Robinson, who probably should have been retained on North Carolina's coaching staff. Yes. No doubt about that. Let's move on. We'll go back to some Carolina Panthers discussion. We will update you on the one move so far that they've made in the legal tampering period. It's Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Alright folks, here we go. The Weston Walker show is Fitty Grooves to a little DJ Quick back there, a little dollars and cents. I, I was gonna say this feels like something Bruno Mars could come out of singing to, right? Or, or, <laughs> yeah. or am I just completely okay. all all wrong? This on was this? actually uh, a diss song, one of the better diss songs too, uh as MC eight? Yeah. You left out the G cause the G ain't yeah, in there. Yeah, okay. I see you. I, I wish they would put that uh no was do- dollars and cents was not on the Murder Was the Case soundtrack. I don't know. But I do have that record, though. Uh, yeah. Safe and Sound by DJ Quick. By the way. West and, Coast Classic. Love me some MC8, though. So oh, even, yeah, yeah. even if I love the yeah. line, left out the G because the G ain't in you, yeah. it's one of the best diss lines ever. I still love me some MC8. Yeah, man. All right. So hit us up. Garage Door Guru text line 704-570-9610. Hit up the socials Wes and Walker on Twitter. WFNZ Twitter and WFNZ Instagram. All right. What's left for the Panthers to do now? Let's start here. Odell Beckham Jr. put together a workout that several teams attended. I don't know if you guys saw the catch online. Typical Odell fashion. Mm -hmm. Runs a nasty post corner and then catches the ball at the tip in his hand, in the glove. Just caught the ball, holding the football up, casually runs it in. But would that be a good move uh, for the Panthers? And do we feel like that? I don't know. Odell just seems like one of those athletes. I mean, after we've had Cam, Cam was as flashy as it gets. Odell, I mean, he did play in Cleveland. So I guess I wonder, would this be a place he'd like to come? But do you think this is a move that the Panthers should make trying to pursue Odell Beckham. I have no problem if they want to, and we'll see what the price comes down to. We'll see if he wants to come to Carolina or if he'd rather go to what is a Super Bowl contender. Carolina is not that, especially with the rookie QB that they'll draft, but I have no problem going after Odell Beckham Jr. I've I've always kind of been a Beckham apologist, to be honest with you. Like, I just, that guy's talent is absolutely insane, but people want to hold his lack of production in in Cleveland against him, and then maybe even at the end of his New York Giants days. But to me, like, we just saw what he was dealing with in Baker Mayfield. 
And so even if he was excited to go to Cleveland at first, because Baker showed some promise at the very beginning of his career, it just didn't quite work out for him. But then he had to go to L.A. He's a huge piece for them. Like the Rams offense struggled when he went out. Now, granted, L.A. was able to throw to Cooper Cup constantly. I mean, that's all it was. Yes. right? You just had to throw to the best receiver because you didn't have any other weapons, especially when Beckham got hurt in that Super Bowl. But man, he was a big deal. He was a big deal to that offense. Now he's getting older. It's crazy that he is a 30 year old wide receiver now. With the injury concerns, it scares you. But, man, if he's able to get close to what his talent was, even with L.A., like I'm not even going back to the Giants, even with L.A., yeah, I'd be fine signing him and bringing him aboard. Yeah, because this was a guy, I mean, at his apex, I thought he was pound for pound the best in the league, you know, when he when he was just he was crazy. the guy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He was one of those dudes that you knew at some point he was going to get you. There was not going to be a stopping him or shutting him down. And so uh, Fiddy just sent us here saying that the Panthers are expected to be uh, relatively quiet on the first wave of free agency. So no big money deals look to, looking to be uh, coming out of the bank. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're expected to join the second wave of free agency, which I thought that they would do. We know the Panthers' uh, salary cap situation isn't necessarily ideal. Well, I mean, it's pertinent to this conversation. How big of a deal do you think this is for Odell Beckham Jr.? I'd probably put this in a bigger deal category. If Beckham, you know, somebody that was pretty headline heavy going into the postseason, especially with the Dallas Cowboys looking for a wide receiver, like he's been in the news. I would consider it a big deal as far as that category goes. But also Adam Thielen, right? Like one of the better wide receivers of the last, I don't know, seven years, whatever Mm -hmm. number you want to put on it. Certainly older. Certainly Justin Jefferson being the guy that's taken over, and so they let him go. I wonder if Adam Thielen would be considered a big deal. So interesting news here. By the way, it's uh, I think it's uh, Steve Reed who put this out there on Twitter that the Panthers are not going to be too engaged in the first wave. But I'm trying to figure out what players that might mean, right? So it'll be interesting yeah. to see as we go along. Yeah, when you look at Adam Thielen, his last four seasons, uh, he has – Failed to reach 1,000 yards after having that 113-catch, 1,373-yard season. He went 418, 925, 726. Last year, he had a respectable year, 70 receptions, 716 yards, and six touchdowns. I feel like he he could be a nice addition to the receiver room. You certainly don't want to bring him in with thoughts of him being uh, your number one guy. With that said, we know that that first pick is going to be a quarterback. But what are the next most important positions to address? You alluded to earlier in the show that your second round pick would for sure be going towards uh, a wide receiver. So what? give me your top two or three positions in order of importance, in your opinion. So if we were going pass rusher opposite of Brian Burns for so much of this, that still is going to be towards the top. I'll put that at second because I value now, is that. Is that guy going to be Frankie Luvu, though? Because Frankie's not going to play on the interior of that. That Let's just go off the premise they're running 3-4. Frankie Luvu, he had seven sacks last year. So are you going to put him on that other side? No. I, I'm still going for a different pass. I'm saying he can do it. But also, I think you have Frankie Luvu playing typical outside linebacker role as well, going out in coverage and also making plays in the run game more so off of the line. And for me, I think I do want somebody that is another pass rusher. I mean, maybe Frankie Luvu can do that. So you I mean, want a situational guy? Well, no, I want somebody that can play 
50% of the snaps and also like being a rotation with Luvu and Brian Burns. Well, I know Brian Burns is going to play majority of those snaps, but I still like having a pass rusher wherever the pass rusher is. I still think that matters. So I would still put that at second, but like trading DJ Moore puts wide receiver towards the top for me. Wide receiver, you don't have one now. We we went from DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, hopefully one of the tight ends, Tommy Tremble in particular can break out. All right, but you still have Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. Think about all the guys that you just moved off of mm-hmm. in a year's worth of time. So you need a wide receiver. You don't have DJ Moore anymore. Robbie Anderson went even great to begin with at the start of this season, but you moved on from him. The best pass catching running back in the NFL you moved off of in Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. So I want weapons and I want a wide receiver. That's my first, that's my number one goal right now is to get a wide receiver, NFL draft, free agency, whatever you deem best, but wide receivers, number one. So you want receiver one, you want pass rusher two. Yeah. Give me pass rusher two. Okay. So I want to go back to the pass rusher thing real quick. So do you feel like now Frankie Lou was expendable? Cause like, what will you do with him though? Cause I'm trying to think, you know, on a 34, if you, I don't think he's a three, four middle linebacker. So if you have him on that other side, but you want a pass rusher, I mean, and Frankie Louvre's probably going to command a nice deal. So would you be willing to let him go well, to find a guy that's more suitable? Well, he's or? not a free agent. I mean, you've got Frankie Louvre locked in. And I so, thought he was coming up. Well, didn't he have like just a year left? I mean, it's not long, but he's he's locked in. I mean, you sure. signed him last offseason. So he's locked in. But for me, I subscribe to the idea of what Philadelphia did. Just bring a whole bunch of pass rushers aboard, and let's see if we can just let them all loose at the quarterback. Some of those guys were interior, like a Fletcher Cox or like a Hargrave, who is now playing for San Francisco. But you also had guys like Hassan Reddick and then some other dudes that you could rotate on the outside. And remember, when they would have Jordan Davis in the middle, that was an odd man front that they would run, and yet they still were going after pass rushers. I also kind of subscribe to the Ernie Accorsi model, where you saw what he was able to build with the New York Giants. Remember, he just kept going after pass rushers. After having Strahan, you get OCU Minora, you get Justin Tuck, you get Jason Pierre-Paul, you get Matthias Kiwanuka. Like, I like that idea of just loading up on a ton of pass rushers. Sure, if there's a better player available that doesn't really fit the 39 overall mold, cool. But yeah, pass rusher is still pretty high up on my list, as we've talked about, because you saw how much it hurt them not having anybody opposite of Brian Burns. And if Frankie Luvu is going to be somewhat hybrid, then yeah, I'd like to have another pass rusher on this roster. Well, yeah, I asked that because Frankie Luvu is coming in on the last year of his deal, and I suspect that he probably holds out. But he's going to lose that battle, though. I mean, nobody, especially on that kind of money, like even quarterbacks making a ton, they don't miss a lot of games, even if they do. And it's pretty rare to see guys miss game time. Like mm-hmm. Carolina would win that battle. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just don't, What? where's the precedent, right? Like, I don't, I don't know many linebackers. And I know it's kind of hard to quantify, but I would bet heavily against it about Frankie Louvu sitting out games. I mean, maybe. And maybe they get an extension done. Maybe they deem it good business, yeah. right? But I just don't think he's going to sit out and miss any games if Carolina truly wants to win that battle. Um, I would go with order of importance of need. Man, that's really tough because, like I said, this free agent class doesn't present you with a ton of good options. I believe I saw that the, the Chiefs are more than likely going to re-sign Juju. Um, you got guys out there like DJ Chark and some of those kind of bargain type of wide receivers. So I would put um, wide receiver in a draft. I think that second pick has to come down to best available because I think with the Panthers, you could go if I have to, if I had to rank in order and go along with the topic, 
I think that it's tough because I'm thinking about receiver or tight end. Like if there's a good tight end sitting there. Wide receiver. But for young guys or young quarterback, though, tight ends are so important. But so tight ends are are important for sure. But if you're not talking about a first-round guy that can come in and help right away, it takes time. Like if Michael Mayer is sitting there. But at 39, I don't think he will, but fair. If he's sitting there. He ran slow. If he's there at 39, okay, but it does take a while for tight ends to be a safety valve immediately. I mean, if you go back and look at some of these better tight ends, the one that absolute that actually attribute some of their skills right then and there, it's, it's first-round players, and it's still tough to hit on that. I mean, you don't – like, Terrace Marshall is your number one wide receiver right now, and Terrace Marshall is hurt all the time. It's got to be wide receiver to me. I would just say, Wes, if, if, if tight end's that high on your list, wouldn't you rather than pay a tight end as opposed to bringing in a rookie tight end to pair with a rookie quarterback? It just takes so long for them to season. Yeah, it could. I mean, because when you look at the guys that could be that have those second round grades, you look at uh, Kayshawn Boutte from LSU. I hope I didn't butcher that young man's name too bad. Uh, <laughs> Josh Downs from Carolina, Jalen Hyatt of Tennessee, Tyler Scott of Cincinnati, Marvin Mims, uh, and Nathaniel Dell of Houston. And I'm just looking at CBS's rankings. So, I mean, um, you know, those are potential guys that could be sitting in. You know, there's always going to be somebody whose stock is dropping that falls into the second round. But I'm going to go with you uh, for now. I'm going to go with wide receiver as the um, second highest grade of importance and then or the second highest position of importance. And then for the third, I would go with uh, – I'm with you again. I'll go with pass rusher opposite Brian Burns, but I just think it's interesting as to what they'll do because – if you're going to odd front, it's going to have to be Frankie Louvu on that other side. Otherwise, what will you do with him? Well, you can you still have him at just like even traditional linebacker stuff. I mean, you can have him on the field in non-pass rushing situations or excuse me, non-pass rushing situations for him mm-hmm. while having somebody else out there that can rush the passer. Like he's not strictly if he's on the field, he's going after the quarterback. No, not that. But I'm just saying I'm just working off the premise of everybody saying with Capers and Everett. Three, four defense is going to be the base. So, and and the again, base. I know you've heard me talk about it. I just, I do think that that is clouding the decision as far as what moves you have to make. I mean, they are multiple. Like you see defenses, you know, switch packages up all the time. They and, do. And well, even if if the first play of the game, they're going odd man front. Like in when pass, you, in, go ahead. No, I was just going to say when you watch Denver a lot, though, they were in thirty four most of the time, like the base defense. Yeah, I think I think Averro can go multiple though, and like so for me, I'm not going to miss out on a talent like a pass rusher because of him having a base odd man front. Like to me, I'm cool with them still going after a pass rusher. Seems like you are top three at least. Yeah, I am. It's just you just have to be so specific in what you go after in that defense. That's that's the only thing I'm saying is that it's it's hard to pick a 4-3 guy and then stick him at 3-4 outside linebacker and be like go play. So that's why I'm saying with Luvu. Is he going to be that that opposite pass rushing hybrid type of player? So um, that's going to be interesting. That's the thing. I, I, me personally, I don't particularly care for odd fronts like that. Uh, I think it's a very specialized front, and I think that you know you have to really get specific personnel for it. That's why I always like four three better because it allows you a lot more freedom on what you can draft and what you can sign. Um, because guys have to have specific skill sets to fit that. But um, I would go with that. And so 
Uh, last question, though. One piece of that defense is uh, going to be spoken for. They've got at least one of their middle linebackers for that defense. They restructured Shaq Thompson's contract, so he will be back. How important do you feel like of a move was that? Yeah, I mean, they traded DJ Moore. Some of the people saying that this was the right decision also would point out that it saved them cap space by not having to pay DJ Moore in this. And so I understand that. You do need, they were, it looked like that could have been restructured anyway, and then you would have saved 12 million against the cap. So, yeah, it matters. This team is very much up against the cap. Now they're, I believe, what, 20 below, if I'm not mistaken. I think that was before the Shaq Thompson restructuring. And so this all matters, right? Because if if we're going to spend money in free agency, if people are telling me not to panic about wide receivers and or trying to fill all the other holes that they have on this roster, then that means you have to spend some money to go get some talent here in NFL free agency. And as Colin said on Friday, still take care of your draft class because you still have some draft picks that you're going to be bringing in, you know, especially with your first round, first overall quarterback, right? So you have to pay him. You're going to have to pay the 39th overall selection if you don't trade it. And then even if you do trade it, you might be bringing in a player. So yeah, it it all matters very much. So, and I'm glad Shaq Thompson again decided to restructure this contract because they do need linebackers still. Like if you would have wanted to go with somebody being a linebacker with this defense and you lose Shaq, and you do view Frankie Louvu more as a pass rusher, then that just means you'd have to address another loss. And so I'm glad they were able to hold on to Shaq, even with some people thinking he's overrated. And I'm glad that he restructured his deal. Yeah, I think, like I said, you've got, again, just going off the premise of the defense, I think you've got one of your middle linebackers uh, locked in now. I think you got a seasoned guy, 100 tackles each of the last four seasons. Uh, last year he had a career high, so I think it was good for them to be able to get it. That that definitely knocks something off the list that you don't have to go find now. Now you can just go and find that other Mike linebacker to pair with him. And we always pair well with Josh Fitty Marlowe and give us your last Fitty Flash of the day. <laughs> Well, guys, we're going to finish up with the storyline we've been talking about all day long. That is the Carolina Panthers trading up to get the number one overall draft picked in this year's draft. And Matt Rule, former Carolina Panthers head coach, weighed in on the matter. <laughs> oh, no. Carolina Panthers got the number one pick because of me. Because my time at Carolina, you know, in the in the success that I was had at Carolina, establishing the culture, you know, led to the Christian McCaffrey trade to the San Francisco 49ers, and, and all those assets and everything that came in allowed the team to to move up to the number one pick, and, and also because of me, at the end of the day, I made DJ Moore look so good that the that other teams wanted him. And, and that's what happens. The Chicago Bears really wanted DJ Moore because I made him look good during my time there. And because I made sure that he was the true number one player on that offense. He wasn't because, already good? Because but well, it, It's because I made him look really good because I, I helped make sure Christian McCaffrey got traded. Therefore, I made DJ Moore the true star of that offense. Huh. And, and so because of that, at the end of the day, we were able to move up the Carolina Panthers to get the number one overall pick. And, and like I said, when I first got hired by the Carolina Panthers, it's all, it's all part of the, you know, it, it took Jay-Z seven years to become an overnight sensation. You know, it, it, when you look at the end of the day, when when this this rookie that gets drafted number one, number one overall, his seventh year will be the final year of his rookie contract. And therefore, the, the salary cap and the way things are structured in the NFL, that's when the team can truly flourish. Long-winded. Seven years after I got hired. So therefore, I made the number one overall. What would you think of former Panthers head coach Matt Rule weighing in on the Panthers getting the number one pick in the draft? Oh, Matt Rule? Is that is that the guy that was weighing in here <laughs> on DJ Moore? 
Look, that, man. That guy uh, does a fantastic job. Dennis Cox, by the way, just so we're not going to be sued of defamation and then misleading the public here, that was Dennis Cox, who does an excellent job of imitating one Matt Rule out with 99.9 The Fan in Raleigh. And uh, I'm sure that is something that he might say. That is something Matt Rule would say. That he was responsible for DJ Moore's production, despite the bad quarterback play here in Carolina. But we'll see if he can do it with Justin Fields in Chicago. The Bears upgrading that receiver room, no doubt. Yeah, man. I mean, he was responsible for everything in this town. So, <laughs> Matt Rule, keep Matt Rule. And when we come back, what's on tap and on this day in sports history, this is the Weston Walker Show. Sports Radio 92.7 FM. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. One more segment to go on Wesson Walker before the Kyle Bailey Show takes over. Let's try to... Reel in all the NFL breaking news coming in during the legal tampering period. Wes, I know you said that Mike McGlinchey is now going to the Denver Broncos yeah. and getting paid handsomely for 50 it. $50 million guarantee. All right, so there's a Mike McGlinchey contract. I saw Jaywan Taylor, if I'm not mistaken. I don't want to get got by some of these fake accounts, and so there's so many things flying in, but I do think I saw Jaywan Taylor from Jacksonville. He's now going to the Kansas City Chiefs, so it looks like the Orlando Brown money that they have free because they did not give him a big contract extension that might be going towards Jaywan Taylor trying to keep a strength to strength even if you lose a good left tackle so we'll see what happens out there on the offensive line for some of these teams but also with Carolina they bring in Shy Tuttle a bunch of you have asked who is Shy Tuttle he is formerly of the New Orleans Saints he's a Carolina kid and a salesman wrote in on the text line 704-570-9610 guys I just saw a video of Shy Tuttle stiff arming Matt Ryan into oblivion after an INT it was the most glorious thing I've witnessed since the birth of my two sons Let's go ahead and put Tuttle in the Panthers' ring of honor. I think that's a measured, I think that's a logical response to Carolina signing Shy Tuttle because I did see the video, I saw it on his Twitter account, and he absolutely destroyed Matt Ryan on that stiff arm. So Panthers fans might be accepting of him entering the ring of honor. Yeah, I meant to ask you, what, what did you think about the uh, Jalen Ramsey trade and the fact that they only had to give up a third rounder and a, a third-string tight end to get him? Yeah, I mean... You wonder if Carolina could have been interested or if any NFL team could have been interested. But but that kind of move also goes to a we are all in right now scenario, right? Mm -hmm. And Carolina, while they clearly are going after their quarterback, and that is certainly a directional move. It's not directionless. We know what they want to do. They are going to draft a QB at number one. Also, if you trade for a Jalen Ramsey, even if it didn't take that much, you're still paying him a lot. So that does feel like a yeah, win they now. Guarantee move. the next two years of his contract. I'll say this: it makes more sense that Miami would be 
you know, pursuing Jalen Ramsey so heavily because they let go of Byron Jones too yeah. over the weekend. So Jalen Ramsey, Xavier Howard, having guys like Christian Wilkins, Jalen Phillips up front. That's a scary defense, especially with the presence of Ramsey. And it's all about what they can do on offense with Tua, right? Because QB, as much as he was playing well the first half of the season, one, can he stay healthy? Two, can he finish strong in the second half of the season? So that's the question mark right there. But Miami's talented. They look really good after going after one. Jalen Ramsey. Just to inform you real quickly about Shai Tuttle, he's played the last four seasons at defensive tackle for the New Orleans Saints, had a couple of sacks last year, only had one tackle for loss, did have three QB hits, but he did start 14 of the 17 games for New Orleans, 27-year-old last year. So Shai Tuttle now a member within the division still with the Carolina Panthers. Also wanted to get to one other text. Brian wrote in, don't forget my suggestion of the Will Levis milkshake special for one Josh Fitty Marlowe. I guess we'd put like a banana without peeling the banana in the milkshake. And then we'd also put mayo and some kind of coffee flavor. Look, it leads to an interesting discussion. Can we add one wild card ingredient no. that is not a part of the cookout Heck menu? No. I think that's fair. No, no, not, <laughs> not if we can't, not if I can't do double or nothing where I have to eat potentially two bad milkshakes. You can't be going here out here adding mayo, banana without the with the peel included. Like we're throwing the peel in there, and some mm. kind of Java flavored, so you can get the uh, the coffee mayo flavor that Will Levis likes. I'm really nervous about this because you said it would be funny if you had to inject whatever it is is called into me if <laughs> if I have some that I'm allergic to, and I start like you know clamming up and wheezing on the air. Like I'm really scared what you're gonna do to me. Well, look. I don't think you have any food allergies. Is that correct? Or do you have some food allergies? Uh, watermelon, coconut. Oh, uh, no. Bananas. Oh, that's unfortunate. Wow. Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> that, that seems to be all the ingredients that I was thinking about. You know, what a coincidence. I, as long as you would be okay, and I would make sure that you were okay, yeah, it'd be cool to shoot you with an EpiPen on radio. That'd be kind of funny. <laughs> we might have some HR problems. <laughs> to be fair, I'd rather do that than have to do the the combine stuff because I don't feel like running 40 yards. Yeah, the combine stuff didn't work out yet, but <laughs> we are going to have OTA workouts possibly, so that video will come on the You did not dodge that. That is still going to happen at some point. We just have to have better conditions. That's That's the only <laughs> thing that we're waiting for, and once we do... We will release that video to the public of Fiddy's athletic achievements or non-achievements. Here's an achievement, though, from Fiddy. He did find some things that happened on this day in sports history. What do you got for us, Fiddy? All right, guys. Well, on this day in 1998, Bryce Drew hits a leaning three-pointer as time expired to give Valparaiso a shocking 70-69 upset of Mississippi in the first round of the NCAA Midwest Regional. Real quickly, is that the buzzer beater you think of first if I were to ask you think of March Madness buzzer beaters? Yeah. I feel like that's the one that often goes to my mind. It might be a painful memory for you, though, Fiddy, because there's one that we could talk about. But Bryce Drew is always the one that kind of leads off the thought process. And let's just relive those memories. Here's the call yeah. of that buzzer beater. The inbounds pass to be thrown by Jamie Sykes. Carter pressure it. It's to Jenkins. The Drew for the win. Gone. Oh! He did it. Bryce Drew did it. Balfo has won the game. A miracle. Former Hornet, Bryce Drew, by the way. Just mm. wanted everybody to know. The Tyus Edney one's a good one. And Tyus Edney is a That's fantastic one. That's probably the one. first one, I think. Mm. 
And then also on this day in 2012, BYU, they pulled off the biggest comeback in tournament history. They erased a 25-point deficit to beat Iona 78-72 in Dayton. It marks the biggest comeback in an NCAA tournament game. Previously, the largest deficit overcame was when Duke erased a 22-point deficit in yep. 2001 to beat Maryland 95-84 to in the Final Four. Yeah, I remember that game. I believe that BYU did not have Brandon Davies on the roster because of the things that he was getting to on that campus. Is that correct? I don't think he played in that game, and that's why I chose Iona, and so it was unfortunate when BYU came back. I think that happened. We all know Brandon Davies, right? Yes. Okay, we can look him up if you want to, and then you can talk about some of the things he was about at BYU afterwards. Oh, he, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> look look it up. Look yeah. up Brandon my Davies. Favorite. Oh, I remember. He's a legend on that campus. Yeah, my favorite buzzer beater, though, is Chris Jenkins. I knew it was. That's my favorite, man. I almost cry when I see it. I punched dirty laundry because I was angry at that <laughs> buzzer beater. I was really mad. I needed to punch something, and it needed to be soft so I wouldn't have a boxer's fracture. And so I went to uh, the dirty laundry and punched that. All right, here we go. Oh! Breaking news to end the show. What you got, Fiddy? It's not really breaking news, more of <laughs> a breaking update. But according to Dove Kleiman from Twitter, the Panthers are indeed considering trading down from the first overall pick in the 2023 draft. There's now three reports of this, as has also been confirmed by ESPN, The Athletic, and of course right here locally, our very own Charlotte Observer. All right. We'll see what the Carolina Panthers do. That is an excellent tease for tomorrow's show and the Kyle Bailey Show. Coming up next, alongside Smoke Ludwig, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.